Hello, everyone. Hi, Nathan. Greetings. Uh, Welcome once more to the Reckless Attack podcast. That's right. Reckless Attack for all of your fifth edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast needs. I am GM Nathan. Welcome once more to our table. Hello, dear players. I hope you are all excited to really get your butts kicked today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but no. Combat. Kick him. Kick him. <laughs> Kick him. Well, Sophie, I need you to take it down a notch. This is Never. a little, the, the warrior spirit is bleeding into reality. I mean, you called Val the great warrior of the illustrious Atheum. It's gone to her head and she's really got a lot to live You know, now. that's that's fair. Now she is just picturing herself as Rambo slash any number of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, but instead of like a bandolero with bullets and grenades, it's mm. just books. Yeah. Just and, all the way across. And now that can't be cut from the previous episode. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's true. Speaking of, hey, who are you? Hey, it's me, Sophie. I play Valeska Carter, the human astro cleric of the Arcana domain. And Val is super excited because there's so many books and a puzzle because all the labels have been removed from the shelves. So she's got to do some thinking, some pondering. Lots and that's of time. All she has to worry about. Yep, correct. Only solving this puzzle. <laughs> but this is the worst kind of puzzle where like every puzzle piece is the same color. <laughs> Ooh, I am. Mm, you just don't have the nuance nope. to tell the difference in color. <laughs> Definitely do not. Like, 100%. I think Val just sees. An entire spectrum where you just see blue. Player across from me. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, I'm David. And I play Kaskrin Brightmane, the Dwarven Warlock, who also only sees blue. But, (laughs) wow. Yeah, incredible. New Uh, canon. That's very interesting. He's like a dog, but only only one color. (laughs) (laughs) Just all shades of blue. But Kaskrin is very ready to find this book, see what's up with these robots. And to my left. Hello, everyone. My name is Steve, and I'm playing Selv Asterlin, the dragonborn monk who, much like Val, is glad that there are no weird things going on in this library. Just a small puzzle of which shelf is this? Um, (laughs) A classic D&D trope. I'm sure all of our listeners have been through that particular particular mystery. It's oldie but goodie. And also, one other quick little note. This is episode 90. Oh, Whoa. <laughs> if my if my notes are correct, and let's face it, they are. Yeah. <laughs> boy, they are because I, yeah. I know that that is factually true that they are correct, but boy, you're really laying your reputation <laughs> out of the line, Steve. Yeah, right. And now, David and Jonathan, you cannot edit that out, no. regardless. No, we're we're just going to change the episode name to 91 yeah. so that when people listen to this, they're <laughs> no. like, but wait. Or just swap <laughs> swap intros in between. Actually, a- episode episodes. 91, what happened to episode 91? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining that we open up a book in the grand library and it's just like Steve notes. Or Steve yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the, the, the book in the restricted section. You yep. got to ask for it by name, but it might be there. accurate tome. And across the table from me. 
Hi everyone, I'm Jonathan, and I play Checkers, the Grung Druid, and his trusty frog pals, Mango and Junior. And Checkers today has been introduced to the third best role model of his life, I think. <clears throat> hmm. The first being the Holy Promethean. Yeah. Long may his walk reign. <laughs> his walk must continue. Best friend. Yes. We're just, wow, go- hashtag goals. Yes. Uh, second, if he's not a friend, why is he friend-shaped? Yep. Right. <laughs> exactly. The friend-shaped skeleton walking around. Second being Nazar the Black, obviously. Yes, obviously. Yes, favorite member of the Pentarchy. And <laughs> Have his rookie card and everything. Uh-huh. Yep. And third is this mass of automatons <laughs> floating in the air before him, referring to themselves as the Grand Serviciousness. Yep, exactly. And that is really the energy that Checkers wants to put out into the world. <laughs> so <laughs> Checkers, just, like most, just his top goal was to become a hive mind. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the, the frog hive mind. Yeah, That's exactly. what the frog stack is for. Uh-huh. Really yeah. working towards Soon it. to be frog orb. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah one, the, one day. The, the, fl- the, the orb. <laughs> <laughs> but you understand why the Grand Serviciousness is the new role model for checkers, very appealing right? like Absolutely. we can all see it so you'll understand what happened you know you'll understand when i go to serve the coming betrayal yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that yeah. will be like oh the intruders no actually they're over here yeah, i'm here right. to join your yeah. side you guys seem awesome that's right you guys are in the library restricted section which again another sentence that most D tables always utter again classic tropes adventures in the library and you you know, you eased in, easy peasy. You got to meet Titanius Naxhammer, who was feeling totally good about being stuck as a ghost in a white void for 50 to 70 years. I mean, honestly, yeah. <laughs> all things considered, yeah. Pretty okay. He had all those self-help books that really helped kind of center him. But you had to really walk him through some hard truths about his life and the amount of time he spent in here and how sad that he actually is. You essentially called up your first book. You have to call them by name and you decided to go, what was it, Checkers? To the Pentarchy Proclamations, Volume 19. Volume 19, exactly. And that has led you to wherever this place is. You traveled through the void, And you kind of found yourself in, at least at first glance, what appeared to be a kind of normal room in the Agmar Public Library. Checkers, while proclaiming about proclamations, has stumbled across, well, something, someone's, some several things, that this thing is known or is hailed as the Grand Serviciousness, a.k.a. the Grand Collective of Servitude, which apparently is... A blurry mass of automatons, of just kind of small, little, highly filigreed, very detailed, almost like bronze and like brass looking automatons, but that are just floating in midair. Checkers came upon them essentially as they were lecturing someone, someones, about how, ah, we finally have defeated our foes and we finally also cleaned up after defeating our foes. And now we must extend our reign through the rest of this library. And this reign that, of course, I, their grand serviciousness, will be at the top of. As we are all equal, of course, but like, but I'm in charge, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. clearly. More equal, yes. The most equal, some would say. And from seemingly nowhere, from out of thin air, that proclamation was met with cheers. Then this orb of weird little guys (laughs) turned... To see the weirdest little guy, Checkers, and blurted out, 
Intruder. Oh, me? That couldn't be is where we left things. And I think if I were the GM, now would be about the time that I would ask everyone to roll for initiative. And oh, wait, what's that? I'm getting a news report that I am indeed the GM. <laughs> everyone roll for initiative. Hey. Ooh, actually, okay. I, Sophie, am choosing to believe that Celestia Dreamweaver would not let something as petty as fire ruin these books. Because I, Sophie, was about to be like, nobody put anything, don't use any type of fucking fire in this. And and you would know that most of the rest of the library is also protected in some way. I think we talked about that previously. I'm pretty sure. Some some amount of canon is protected or there is like a fantasy sprinkler system or something. Kaskrin with a 21. Valeska with a 16. Checkers with an 8. I, it doesn't matter, Steve, in terms of me writing down the initiative order, but just for like my own, like, joy. What did you roll? Excuse me? Hmm? One more? Self rolled a five. Oh. Now, what did you roll on the dice for that one? Uh, that would be a two. Yeah, that's Ooh. what I thought. <laughs> oh, no. It's a real bummer. So we got Kaskrin. We got some other stuff. Then there's a Val. We got some other stuff. Then there's a Checkers. And then there's a Self. Well, it makes sense well, it, that Checkers isn't going first because he's pledging. He's using his turn to pledge himself. Oh, yeah. To yeah. I've, the I've, I've, I, I also think it's, it's funny like that, that the two people who probably should get the highest initiative uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> are actually at the bottom of the pack. I'm using the first three seconds of my turn to uh, create my Warlock Pact. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, the three of you guys, and by that I mean Kaskrin, Selv, and Val, are kind of still, I'm imagining, a little bit on one side of the stacks. So you kind of started poking around into the books. You're examining the labels. You had maybe wait, made a little bit yeah, of we, progress. Yeah, we haven't gone too far in. Yeah, exactly. Val We're- is standing in front of a bookshelf, deep in puzzle mode, super hyper-focused eyes starting to glow a little bit, just like in her mind, like figuring out like a cipher of the card to what the shelves indicate the organization is. And she's like a little confused because like based on the card, it's like kind of not matching (laughs) what should be on the show. Yeah. Checkers has kind of gone up ahead. He's kind of more towards the end of this, probably again, like 30 or 40 foot long stack of books. Out of seemingly nowhere for you guys, for the three of you guys, you all hear this robotic multitude of voices. At long last, we, the grand collective of servitude, etc., etc., etc. Your eyes go down the long aisle of books, and you are just as all of their rambling of proclamations and whatnot and threats to, to take over the library. And at the end... You see, as cheers start to go up, you see Checkers standing there with Mango. And then you see a red spotlight <laughs> go right onto Checkers. As oh, you hear this is not gonna be good. the word intruder. I was ready to just get lasered. <laughs> like, I was just about to be evaporated. And- well, you'll see how I rolled on initiative and good news. It might still happen. So, Kaskrin, yes. you, A, you're first. Great. I would love for you to describe how Kaskrin reacts quickly enough and why 
to seeing checkers being just bathed in like <laughs> red aggressive light. So Kaskarin hearing all of this sees checkers about 40 feet away at the end of this long hallway surrounded by two giant bookshelves. And he just runs off at a dead sprint trying to like tackle checkers out of the way. As he is running, I'm imagining this grand library is like, you know, wooden bookshelves Absolutely. on the floor. And so like he's sprinting and he takes his hand and scoops up some of the ground in, in which again is like total hard stone. Yeah. And like but you just like dip it in like it's water and just come up grasping something. Yeah. And he forms it into a like short warhammer, like a one-handed warhammer. But it doesn't look like just a warhammer. It looks like he's holding a library stamp. <laughs> and the end oh, yeah. of it, like the stamp part just says overdue. <laughs> and he's just like running, sprinting. And at the end of his move, his, well, I have to double move to actually do this because I have no movement. Uh, I'm going to double move and just like try to push checkers out of the way. I will let you do a movement and, like, as part of kind of like a charge, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, roll me an, an athletics check to, like, push checkers out of the way. And is your goal to just get him out of the spotlight? Is it to push him into cover? What is your kind of ideal outcome? I would like to push him into cover, like, into the next row of books. Yeah, totally. It's it's probably yeah, 10, 15 feet away, mm -hmm. but he is just like standing there. And yeah. so if you gave him a real big push, he could just go fly it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I imagine it's a push to mango, which is just like one of those like bouncy giant rubber balls. Yeah. So you can like really like poof. Yeah. Like yeah. get some distance on yeah, a mango. Yeah. Right, yeah. When you when you bounce when you bounce one ball on another bouncy ball and it just yeah. explodes upwards. Yeah. yeah. Except it's wait, wait, wait. Is is Checkers riding on mango? Checkers is riding on top of mango right now. Okay, yeah. perfect. Then I'm just going to run headfirst into mango and like squish in a little bit and try to like pop him. bouncy ball him out the other direction. Okay, awesome. That is a twenty-five. Heck yeah. Yes. So so because you rolled so high, I'm going to ask Jonathan. Uh-huh. So, you, I mean, you are not surprised by this. You just haven't been able... To, I mean, you're so enamored right. by the splendor in front of you that you haven't been able to act yet. But because Kaskarin rolled so well, I'm going to ask you... You are getting propelled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kaskarin just yells, like, Checkers, get out of the way! And, like, runs in the mango. Wait, 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 wait. What's your cutesy little name for it? Ooh. Because <laughs> you, you've got the breakfast special. The Squishmallow special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> our Squishmallow's canon in our world. What's well, that uh, dessert, the cannoli? You know, cannoli? <laughs> like, uh, you know, like the little, you, you squish a bunch of ricotta cheese in it. That's yeah. a cannoli. Yeah. That's cannoli. Yeah, it doesn't really work. It's fun to say, though. Yeah. I will give you that. Yeah. I'm going to call it cannoli. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we don't, hey. The cannoli in Rixia could be totally yeah, different. Yeah. Like that could be the equivalent of it like spells a, a K. Right. right yeah. It could be like a custard <laughs> kind of thing, you know? We don't we don't know. So whatever it is, we don't understand, but mm -hmm. but what's important is that Kaskarin and Checkers understand 
when Kaskrin screams the word cannoli no, Nathan, in a library. Nathan, what is important is that Kaskrin does it with a really bad Italian accent <laughs> when he does it. <laughs> the cannoli. Kaskrin, give me the cannoli. I don't. I don't. He just don't he doesn't know what the word is. That. He just like says it phonetically. Yeah. And it's just like cannoli. <laughs> So I am I, going I, to give cat can ole. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to ole. So okay, wait, but uh, Jonathan, please don't know that here is where you're going to cut David's take can ole really weird <laughs> and save it forever. Yeah, for for the end of the episode. Yeah, end end on that that note. <laughs> no, it's for when for when we start selling uh, ringtones. Yeah. to all oh, the hip right, Gen yeah. Z people. Oh, now I want the T-shirt that is just Cass yelling out. G- give me the cannoli. <laughs> I don't I don't know that we can do. That. I don't know. That's appropriate. Give me the, <laughs> the cannoli. Yeah. So, Jonathan, because that this is obviously something you guys have practiced oh, for months, if not years. Mango uh, loves this one. He gets bounced around all the time. <laughs> so, I am going to allow you to tell me where does Checkers land? Does he get kind of pushed across the aisle? Does he get pushed upwards? Does you know, like Mango do one thing and him something else? I'm going to give you kind of the the tactical goodness. So I'm imagining that Kaskrin is doing this charge, scooping up this long library stamp in his hand, and Checkers and Mango are stunned and shocked at this grand serviciousness. But Mango has the presence to just brace himself as Kaskrin is running up, and Kaskrin, you just like smack Mango upwards cool. like, a, like a beach ball. Yeah. And uh, Mango and Checkers go bouncing up the sides of the bookshelves to land on top of one of these 20, 25 foot tall bookshelves. And you went straight up? Basically, yeah. Great. Awesome. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And Kashgren, I'm going to say that you'll have a little bit of cover from that. Not full cover, but just, you know, a couple, like the half cover. Yeah, I did some like dodge rolls after (laughs) uh, pushing him out of the way, for sure. Uh, But yeah, so you're, you're still there and still kind of, now you're a little bit in the the red eye yep. and you see what checkers saw cool which is again this terrible orb of weird little guys question for both david and nathan does caskrin's caskrin senses sense anything besides the grand services that is a great well caskrin well, so caskrin as a reminder for everyone including david we learned <laughs> at the beginning of yes. recording yep. uh has blind sense and you heard this chanting and cheering too, but you don't kind of have the context for it. Mm-hmm. All you see and all you sense is that weird big floating orb. And it's floating, so you can't do it through your, your foot sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that tremor one. sense. Tremor sense, that's one. Or I think it's blind sight, it's right? It's specifically blind sense. Yeah. Yeah. I know we say tremor sense a lot, but Kaskin doesn't well, actually have tremor sense. Right now, you do not sense anything. Cool. As Kaskin is bathed in this red light, and Checkers is launched <laughs> up into the air. <laughs> and it's like, this is like in midair, like you're still, your arms are still windmilling a yes. little bit, going in slow motion. The Grand Collective of Servitude, a.k.a. their Grand Serviciousness, calls out, Intruders! My legions! Jeeves! Montague! We must eliminate the intruders! They cannot upset the delicate order of things here in the most organized section of the library. We shall no longer be unseen. Onwards! And I am going to ask Kaskrin yes. and Jonathan uh-huh. and Nathan 
So roll me a d6. I, Jonathan, rolled a six. David rolled a two. You see this orb start to spin like a top Mm. and you see all the different kind of like automaton eyes start to light up in different ways almost like a disco ball (laughs) I don't like that that's the image that my brain conjured it doesn't seem serious but unfortunately that is what it is or like a strobe light a beam of dark energy emits and is fired directly at Kaskarin as two other beams get launched as well Kaskarin I'm going to ask you to make me a constitution saving throw. While checkers, as you are kind of mid-air, yeah. <laughs> this another light and spotlight like perfectly tracks you in mid-air as if you're like a it's like a surface to air missile. Uh-huh. First, I would like you to make me a wisdom saving throw as well. Six on the wisdom saving throw. Okay, and Kaskrin, what did you get? I got a 23. Kaskrin, you take 10 necrotic damage. Oh my god. As you just barely see one of these automatons, which again is all blurry, like as it spins, it mm-hmm. like kind of is hard to pin down a little bit. You are hit with a beam of magic from an automaton that is seemingly holding a spell book. Uh, <laughs> that is and just fires this beam, this enervation ray. And you take 10 points of necrotic damage and you are thankful that you rolled very well on that constitution saving throw. And Kaskrin can feel like the skin that is not protected by rock or armor like begin to burn. Like it, it feels like it catches fire, yeah. but there's no heat. Exactly. Checkers, with your six, yeah. what Kaskrin sees as he is trying to like just sturdy himself against this burning happening, sees Checkers launched into the air, and then you see something launch from this spinning orb and you're just barely able to clock it and it looks like a bucket (laughs) just a wooden bucket and clocks checkers square on the side of the head and you hear a plop as he falls unconscious (laughs) Uh, not mechanically he is asleep uh, at the top of the bookcase (laughs) as he is hit by a bucket and is (laughs) unerringly thrown right on the temple and is just boom hit unconscious still again you are asleep uh-huh. not unconscious in yeah. like a I'm not, you know you're what you're I mean dead. not at zero, you're not points. zero hit points yeah. that's what I mean finally Kaskrin you're the only other one here yeah and obviously. we talked a little bit about uh, fire here in the library you know and mm-hmm. the feeling of burning I would like you to make one more dexterity saving throw please why Ooh, I got a natural 20. Ooh. So 19. That'll do it. Uh, (laughs) This beam that kind of just like engulfed you in light and like did this necrotic damage Mm -hmm. then focuses into like a laser point and does actual fire damage and starts to burn you. And you are going to take nine points of fire damage. I feel very fortunate that I have not rolled below an 18 yet today. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You definitely should. And so this thing is just spinning and like spins upward another. And these these ceilings are relatively high. They're probably like 50 feet up. And this thing goes from kind of probably five feet to like 25 feet Mm -hmm. up off the ground and is now skimming the tops of the bookshelves and looking down. But that is the end of its turn as it just again kind of yells out. Intruders onward, legions onward. 
And Cash Crunch just yelling, trying to face down this horde, like, I need some help over here! Just, like, taking all of this, you know, magical energy. Cash Crunch, I'm, I'm sorry. There are sometimes it's great to roll very early on initiative, and other times it's not nice. Mm. Because now, nothing changes. You don't hear anything. But just before it's too late, your blind sense kicks in and five unseen figures come up and surround you totally invisible and now a word from our sponsor this episode is brought to you by a foul light shines a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign the Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Tyre. Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength in diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Dark Dice is a critically acclaimed actual play podcast brought to you by Fool and Scholar Productions. With over 20 awards in sound design, Dark Dice brings its horror-themed campaigns to life with snappy combats, terrifying monsters, and tons of original music. Each episode is only 45 minutes long and features an all-star cast of seasoned role players and first-time players alike including folks you might recognize, like Jeff Goldblum, Lily Pichu, and Jasper William Cartwright. Start with Season 1 and follow the adventurers on their quest to investigate a doppelganger, or jump into Season 2 and listen to a new story about a terrible, corrupting sound that infects all who hear it. Dark Dice is available for free however you listen to podcasts or at darkdice.com. So ask yourself, do you seek him now because you know them uh because you know you're there they do not get advantage or anything Six. like that you will have advantage or actually no i think with blind sense you get just make normal attacks on all of them i will tell you these are minions thank you flea mortals mcdm new supplement but they're gonna make an attack against you using the minion rules which means basically yada yada uh one simple die roll to handle all of this at the start of the turn, you start to hear chanting. All start to surround you, Kaskarin. And they just are saying, Hail! 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 And you see, in response, the orb just spins brighter and faster as if it had been empowered by these chants. And then they're going to do an attack upon you. I feel like I would have heard them coming up, even invisible, <laughs> just shouting hail. The well, that's time, what it was kind of like as like yeah, it yeah. came up to you, and then they're like mm -hmm. getting into the battle fury. That is 
A natural 20. Oh. I'm going to die, you guys. Uh, okay. Thanks for getting checkers out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know that I see it here in the, in the rules, actually, but I'm going to make a call because I believe this is true. I don't think minions can crit. Other than like cutting through defenses and and whatever, it's just an auto hit, mm-hmm. so it doesn't isn't dealing double damage, but it is still dealing twenty force damage. To oh, jeez! As so, you as you are just surrounded by yeah. unseen, who knows what? Yeah, even with Kaskrin's blind sight, like it's been so long since it's come up. Yeah, Kaskrin just like was still not expecting it. Totally distracted by the beams of fire, the beams of necrotic energy. That all of a sudden something just like whams like right in his back and it just catches him off balance. And then suddenly as he realizes it, he is surrounded. Yeah. And then just you are you're feeling these like fists mm-hmm. basically just pummel you. Even each all around you are just like slamming into you. Yeah. Uh, but that is the end of their turn. Val, I'm curious how Val is interpreting <laughs> what she is seeing <laughs> because she has just seen like Checkers fly up and then just face plant onto the top <laughs> and then has seen Kaskarin get beamed a couple times and then just like seemingly beat up out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I just see him like, stop hitting yourself. Exactly. So I don't know how you want to react to that or what you want to do with that information, but that's, mm. that's, that's on you. I feel like Val didn't immediately catch on, but she saw Kaskarin just dead sprint away and she said it just like, Val just takes a few steps backwards and then leans back, looking it down the aisle of like, what the hell? And it's like, oh, that's the hell. Okay. And quickly processing and seeing Cass is immediately just like pummeled by everything. Val will cast Healing Word as a bonus action on cast. Cool. That is... <laughs> Please. Neat. Um, I'm doing it at third level. Oh, so wow. Okay. You are dying. That's true. I am I'm pretty bad. <laughs> that went pretty bad. Yeah. So that's 3d4 plus 4. Which okay. you get all of it? Yes, I get... Fancy. I heal 16 points of health thanks to my patron and also Valeska. So as a bonus action, she casts Healing Word on Kaskrin and... She's not going any closer. She's got range. So from this end of the bookcase, only seeing the automatons, that will go ahead and cast Sacred Flame. And we'll need the automaton creature to make a dexterity saving throw. And you mean his grand serviciousness? The grand serviciousness. Got it. Please make a dexterity saving throw. DC 16 with the enchantment room. So I'm imagining that you might have to kind of position yourself a little bit. You kind of like run down along some aisles to get like full line of sight. Val will do some battle trigonometry as she'll run like parallel to where Cass is along the other end of the bookshelves and then cast Sacred Flame against the automaton creature. But she's still further away. So dexterity saving throw. Okay, and that will cut through whatever kind of weird blurriness is happening because it is just straight on it. Uh, that is a natural one. Nice. Ooh. Thank you, Starbuck. <laughs> <laughs> Two eights, wow. baby. Dang. Ow. Hell yeah. So what is that total? Pew, pew. 16. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Anything else? 
I feel like it's better to have eyes on Cass and Checkers. So Val will run up to the bookcase, cast Sacred Flame on the circling, floating, holy servaciousness, and then run back to the bookcase aisle where she can see Cass and Checkers. So, Cassgren. Yes. You are surrounded. Great. And and to the point where, like, the only side you have that is not surrounding you is the bookshelf, basically. Where you have, like, a shoulder up against the bookshelf, Mm -hmm. but then circling all around you are five invisible creatures. Right. But because your blind sense extends ten feet, you can feel five more invisible creatures Uh. walk past you. So, like, they just barely kind of skirt your senses as if they are walking down the aisle and, like, disappear. You just get a flash of, like, there are five more walking down the hall right now. And, like, the only thing I can get out as I'm defending against these invisible attackers is, like, there's more of them! They're coming your way! Checkers, you're asleep. Now, here's the thing Uh about being asleep is that, A, you're asleep up at the top of these, like, 20-plus-foot shelves, and you are unconscious for one minute. Uh Uh-huh. You awaken if it takes any damage, or another creature takes an action to wake it. Can I also ask, can anyone see checkers? Not direct line of sight. They would have... So I'll put it this way. You all would have seen what happened to checkers. Okay, okay, Like, everyone saw him just, like, fling up in the air and then get clocked by a bucket and then just, like crumple onto the top. Great. And you would know, like, maybe he's unconscious, like, got somehow one shot by a bucket, but, like, he just maybe just got, like, clocked in a way that took him out for a second. So, Checkers has been clocked by a bucket. Yeah. He (laughs) is snoring on top of this bookshelf, but still strapped to Mango somehow. The fun thing about companions Mm -hmm. is that when I, Checkers, am knocked unconscious... Mango can still take actions. Totally. And he does so in a way that tries to protect Checkers as much as possible. Totally, yep. Mango is a very smart boy. Smartest of all boys. Is that factually, mechanically <laughs> true? Mechanically true. Ten intelligence. <laughs> hey! Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ten intelligence. I couldn't remember what, what it went up to. And as such, would recognize that Checkers is just snoring on his back and would just start, like, wiggling around furiously to try and wake Checkers up. 10,000%. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mechanically, of course, I will allow this. Mm-hmm. And being the generous dungeon master that I am, well, even let it happen so that Mango uses his action and does that first. Yes. And then Checkers can act afterwards. Hell yeah. And so what I would love is for you to sonically reenact the sounds of Checkers snoring and then being shaken to to wake up by Mango. Excellent. So Checkers is clocked on the head. (laughs) Just big (laughs) frog snores. Yeah, classic like snot bubble kind of situation. And then Mango just starts wiggling furiously. (laughs) (laughs) Doubles as a nice like massage chair. Yes. Checkers is just like the wacky flailing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Flailing. Yes. Uh, well, for that excellent reenactment, you'll get an extra D4 on any D20 roll you decide to do for the rest of the turn. Sick. Uh, so it is your turn. What would you like to do? Uh, Checkers is going to hop off a of mango. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he did what he needed to do. 100%. Good boy, Mango. Don't do that again. <laughs> 
And Checkers is now standing on top of this bookshelf, perched and ready to go. Uh, looks wildly for the grand serviciousness, but also sees Kaskrin just standing around. What's going on, Kaskrin? <laughs> just like, now I'm just flailing around. <laughs> <trying to make. laughs> yeah. I, I can see Kaskrin, like, actively defending himself from something. Right. So, we're going to try something new. Okay. <laughs> I, Checkers, have been reading Gabriella's journal. And I okay, picked up yeah. some very interesting things in there. Gabriella loved mushrooms. Deeply. That was her whole thing. So we're going to do some fun, some fun mushroom-based things. Checkers is going to waggle his fingers around and throw a whole bunch of dust into the air above Kaskrin. And Kaskrin, you just see these like black and brown bits just start like floating down upon you. Mm-hmm. And like they're just like touching you, and it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and you recognize this, and it's not just dust. These are spores. Great. No. (laughs) (laughs) I trusted you, checkers. Everyone, including Kaskrin, has to make a dexterity saving throw or be under the effects of fairy fire, which in this case I'm saying is a whole bunch of mushrooms and spores. Okay. uh, What was the the save again? DC 16 dexterity saving throw. That's awesome. Mm, Not great. I rolled a 15. Uh, I rolled a 16. No, so that so means I that I failed. Fail. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> nice. Wait, 16? Yeah, I rolled a 16, it. so I also fail because I have negative one. Ah. <laughs> so what happens is as these spores kind of fall down on Kaskrin and all these strangely invisible creatures, you just hear the sounds like pop, 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 as all these little glowing mushrooms just like sprout Love, from all yes. the creatures in this area. They're like the bioluminescent glow. Yeah, and they're like different colors and things. Heck oh, that's yeah. lovely. So you can see the outlines of these creatures and also Casper. Attacks against all of them will have advantage until I stop concentration, basically. Got it. Cool. And all the invisible creatures are now visible. We're also going to try something else slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> have at it. As a bonus action, Checkers is going to yell over at Mango. Mango, go get him! And... Mango just puts on, like, his most focused face and just starts, like, concentrating. And you can all just start hearing, like, the thunder rumbling around in this room. And all of a sudden, this bright flash of lightning comes out of Mango. (laughs) And the next thing you see, Mango is no longer medium-sized, but large-sized. Yeah! Oh, wow. And he is now a large boy. He looks basically the same, except he just has a little, like, rain cloud above his head that is just dripping water on him. <laughs> but he is... He is can, Gigantamax yeah, for exactly. those Pokemon, exactly. Pokemon fans at home. Exactly. But you can see him just on top of this bookshelf, taking up much more space in this room. I have to imagine that this is, like, the first time we're seeing Mango adopt this form, and it's the first time he's done it, too. Oh, yeah. He's wobbling around a lot, and all of a sudden, the bookshelf that he's on starts, like, toppling oh, forward. Well, it, uh, it was in the Waveless Lake, though. He did adopt that form already. Not uh, not, uh, <laughs> not, in, not in combat times. Uh, uh, and if you want to know how Jonathan and Slash Checkers is doing this, go follow us on Patreon, <laughs> where we talk about it at length. I will say... Celestial Dreamweaver calculated mm. large frogs in her <laughs> architecture of a restricted section. Ain't nothing knocking over these bookshelves. Ah, see, I was just trying to... I think I think you're actually right. I was going to have Mango roll a check to uh-huh. either stay balanced or to influence the way that the, the bookcases wobbled. But I, I think Sophie's right. If any library in the entire world has bolted down fucking... <laughs> 
like shelves, this is probably it. Especially, especially in, the rest- in the restricted. Right, where mm-hmm. a book fly- flying open could be actually arcanely disastrous. But, like, you hear, Kaskrin, this, like, the, a little creaking of wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As this large frog is now, like, bent over like he's a gargoyle on top of a skyscraper just looking down storm clouds over top. See, I was either imagining because Mango is so large that he gets squished between the top of the bookcase and the ceiling and he just like, because he's a squishy boy, just like expands out (laughs) like a pancake kind of or he's like ninja style between two bookshelves. I, I was going to say, I think he's, he's actually so on multiple bookshelves mm-hmm. yes. at this point now. Mm-hmm. And Checkers will stay on top of the bookshelf next to Mango, who looks ready to pounce on his grand serviciousness. I bet that he is. Self, it is your turn. End of the order. I've got <laughs> an idea. Great. All right. <laughs> Ooh. Cass had yelled out that there are some invisible creatures of some kind headed in the direction towards myself and Val. Unfortunately, Selv cannot see the invisible. So the solution to that is to make the invisible visible. Selv can't do that either. But but there is a workaround. I am going to grab the water skin from my belt, undo the cap, and basically spray it forward, number one, to see if it hits something. If it does, I am going to cast Shape Water. One of the options for Shape Water is you change the water's color or opacity. The water must be changed in the same way throughout. The change lasts for one hour. I am going to make it bright red. So if the water lands on anything that is invisible, it now has a bright red streak across it. And hopefully that will allow me to see it. What I'll say is that you are able to essentially, I mean, it's very Avatar The Last Airbendery of like, you have a pouch of water, right? And you're able to just kind of like know that the water's there and just kind of like push the cork out with the water and just like fling it out. Give me a... Oh, a to hit roll of some kind or... Yeah. Give me a to hit roll. It's going to it's gonna hit something. It is like the, the bookcases are near enough and you have enough control over your cantrips that it will definitely hit something, but it is how many things it will hit. Okay. It was on an 18, and then it rolled to a 5. Uh, so that's an 8. As you whip out this water and kind of in air change it to a different color, you can see it splashes on a couple, on two things advancing down this kind of narrow hallway. Okay. I am, however, going to spend a key point as a bonus action to do patient defense. Cool. That sounds like a reasonable choice. So that is the end of the round. Checkers and lar- very large yeah. <laughs> mango. Gigantic Max mango. Are uh, <laughs> up, up on top of these bookcases. And Kaskarin can now see the opponents mm-hmm. that are surrounding him and trying to kind of get their cheap shots in, which also appear to be more automatons uh, that the the grand servitude is made out of. Selv kind of readies himself at the end of the aisle, right in front of Val, who has been already slinging all kinds of radiant magics. And the battle is just gearing up and just starting to kind of get pitched. And 
you all hear a roar. I'm going to say Checkers uh-huh. is the <laughs> once again the one who sees this. At least sees it first. From the opposite wall from where you guys are. So kind of away from where the combat started, away from where you entered, just the opposite side of the library. You see a bestial head poke through incorporeally through the wall. It is kind of like a cross between a lizard and a lion face with a long spindly tail that goes back and back and back and it moves like a snake through the air and looks down at all of this combat and you see its nostrils flare and its big piercing animal eyes squint and glare and it opens its mouth and unleashes something we'll talk about next week. Wait, See what? you next time, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. There are invisible enemies in this battle. Gross. Wow. Ugh. Uh, you can... I'm not prepared for that. You can... Yes, you are. You have blind sense. Oh, you're right. I do. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm, David? I'm, you are Zay, literally... Look at your fucking character sheet. Always prepared I'm for this. I'm specifically prepared for this. Nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. I would say you are literally the most prepared Thanks, for this. Thanks, level one me planning this. Yep. <laughs> um, but so that will be a part of it.